Welcome to the Electric Wire podcast. We bring you news and views on the most pressing issues facing Wisconsin's electric industry from policymakers, executives, and customer and environmental advocates. Bringing you these discussions, we are the Customers First Coalition. Here's your host, Executive Director Kristen Jilks. Welcome to the Electric Wire podcast. I'm Kristen Jilks. This is our third year in review Electric Wire episode, and I am happy to see the familiar faces of our panel back. We're missing Heather Allen from Renew Wisconsin, who couldn't be here today. But shout out to Heather. We miss you. Hope you're doing well and hope to see you back on the Electric Wire in 2023. So joining us today for the first time is Jennifer Schilling, Government Relations Manager at Dairyland Power Cooperative and a board member of the Customers First Coalition. Jen, you have been here before when we hosted Denise Bodie to help us deconstruct the bipartisan infrastructure framework back in November of 2021 which seems like forever ago. Welcome back. It is a pleasure to be here. And uh, it's we're going to have a great discussion. I think we all come from really interesting aspects of the industry. And uh, so I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm glad I, I was invited. Thank you for joining us, Jen. And next we have Matthew Spencer, who is the Director of Government Affairs at Madison Gas and Electric, representing another CFC member organization. And Spence, congrats on your promotion this year. I had to update your title when I was preparing for this. Well, thanks. I can't believe this is the third one we've done. And congratulations on when we started. Your first podcast was right before the pandemic, I think in February of 2020. So congratulations on success with this. Very happy to be here. I'm looking forward to the discussion again. Thank you, Spence. Next, we have Chris Hubbock, who is an energy reporter, among other things, for the Wisconsin State Journal. Chris, thanks for another great year of energy stories, and welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me back. It's exciting. I can't believe we've now this will be our third one. And finally, we are very excited to welcome back the incomparable Carrie Templeton, <laughs> Chief of Staff to Public Service Commission of Wisconsin Chairperson Rebecca Vock. Thank you, Carrie, for being a stalwart at the PSC and your work on behalf of customers there for the last 12 years. Thanks so much, Kristen. That's really nice. I appreciate the introduction, and it's great to be back for the third year. And I can't believe it's been 12 months since we did this last. It's like we blinked, the year went by, and here we are again. So looking forward to talking with everybody. Very true. All right, well, let's get started. We'll jump right into it. The first question I have for all of you, what were your top Wisconsin energy stories of the year? And Spence, we'll start with you. Sure. So two things, reliability and sustainability. So MG&E announced earlier this year that we've upped our 2030 goals to 80% carbon reduction by then. And we're on target to, to meet our 2050 goals. We've already reduced carbon by 27% since 2005. And I think I said this last year, but we're going to be uh, getting rid of coal by 2035. We're able to do all of this without problems with reliability. And I think that's like the biggest key right now for consumers and customers, business owners, homeowners across the state. They want to make sure that their lights turn on when they need them. They want to make sure their machines turn on when they're operating their businesses. MGE is number one in reliability across the country, which is keep that up. There were some issues that we, that kind of could have came up over the summer, and we've been able to provide uh, energy to our customers without any issues. Thanks, Spence. Chris, let's move on to you next. Maybe isn't a specifically Wisconsin story, but I, you know, I if I had to list the top three energy stories of the year, it would be the Inflation Reduction Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, and the Inflation Reduction Act. It's just 
I mean, 370, almost $370 billion investment in clean energy, kind of technology agnostic and, and money for both, you know, big scale investors, utilities, as well as consumers. So I think it's just hard to overstate how transformative that might be. And I'm, I'm really curious to hear especially uh, Jen and, and Matt, you know, what this is going to mean for your for your companies in terms of changing direction or, or just changing the, the economics of stuff that you've already planned. I actually wish Heather was here for this so she can also be happy about the, the tax credits because she talked about that in the last podcast. So, and obviously as a company that invest in solar. We're, we're happy to see the tax credits. Carrie, thanks, Kristen. This isn't Wisconsin specific exactly, but it does tie into what I said on last year's podcast. When I had all the power, I was looking for the technological breakthrough that would get us to that last 20% that people are trying to figure out how to get there. And the recent fusion breakthrough is just unbelievable that it's happened so soon. Um, and I think that's really going to accelerate, like Matt was saying, MG&E's goals and could accelerate them even more. So I just think that's so exciting that that breakthrough has happened. That's what we were we were waiting for. So to me, that's the top story of the year. It is really exciting. And it's very exciting. They made the announcement just in time for you to bring that yes. up on the electric wire. Perfect. Jen, let's go to you. Uh, well, a couple of things already were mentioned. Certainly reliability has been uh, a theme uh, throughout this year. I think the last couple of years, definitely, uh, as we have seen extreme weather and just sort of the consciousness of um, the public to be a little bit more aware about the importance. We in the industry talk about reliability and safety all the time. Uh, so, and certainly some of the reports from MISO, just sort of with some you know, warnings of potential energy shortfalls and deficits and uh, utilities running tabletop exercises to make sure that we can meet the demand. And so I think the reliability aspect uh, to make sure that uh, that the power is always on um, I, I too think the Inflation Reduction Act, this is going to be a, a game changer, especially in the in the co-op world, uh, where we were not always eligible for some of the tax credits that investor-owned and for-profit uh, utilities uh, uh, were eligible for. So millions of federal money available at $370 billion in new spending and tax credits really will allow for some different models of renewable project ownership by cooperatives. In the past, we had to go through a developer uh, to, to then have a power purchase agreement and the tax credits went to uh, the solar developer. So now co-ops will be eligible for that. So I, I think it's exciting over the next five years, what will be happening really transformational in uh, the energy and utility world, just with, with change with more and more renewables and incentives and tax credits out there and research and development for battery storage, which will really be needed. Thank you, Jen. I think the Inflation Reduction Act was a huge story. It's going to be a, a big deal for years to come. Uh, but I was also thinking back to this spring when NERC was giving the reliability warnings that there could be energy shortfalls coming this summer. Thankfully, we, that did not happen. But there's more stories out now that NERC is potentially predicting shortfalls again this winter. So I think it it is a good reminder that we need to be vigilant in this energy transition. and that reliability matters. All right, let's move on to the top sustainable energy developments of the year. Chris, I want to start with you for this one. If I had to vote, I'd probably vote again for the IRA. But um, 
in terms of, of Wisconsin specific, uh, I think perhaps the the commission's recent uh, sort of foray into to weighing in on the third party ownership issue is significant. It's a little bit wonky and in the weeds and probably uh, safe to predict that it won't be settled uh, or that it's not settled, that we'll be in the courts in the year to come. But, uh, you know, this is something that really for the, I think, at least the past four years, people have been trying to get um, get sort of an opinion on it, and the commission has has sort of avoided weighing into it. And now that they have, um, in a limited sense, um, I think it it may open the doors to some new ownership, or at least uh, moves the discussion a little further along. Thanks, Chris. And I think you had you had asked for clarity on that at one on one episode i'm almost thinking it was 2020 i think it was two years ago yeah, yeah. i think it was crazy. for the, the next legislative session to figure it out they didn't okay. <laughs> yeah well there we go thanks chris carrie will go to you next thanks Kristen. i also of course had the inflation reduction act at the top of my list but um to be a little bit more psc focused it was another banner year for commission approvals of solar and energy storage projects the commission approved 614 megawatts of solar and 225 megawatts of storage um, to be either constructed or acquired, which is another huge amount. And then we have another 677 megawatts of storage that's that's under review currently. So it's just significant amount of work going on in that field and it's not showing any signs of slowing down. And again, the IRA is clearly impacting that too by creating different incentives for where storage is located and the type of financing financing models to be used as a game changer. Really changes everything. All right. Jen. Like storage is the new solar. Like a few years ago, it was solar piling on as fast as it could. And now all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's like storage. And on top of that too, it's just like technology is going to change and change rapidly. So if it's available and it's getting better, you, you might as well try to get in um, when the time is right. And that's why the utilities are starting to do it now. It's cost effective. It's making sense. And it ensures, said it before, ensures reliability too. Awesome. Jen, what about you? I think on the sustainable energy development of the year, I'm going to go to uh, to electric vehicles. As I thought about just the continued growth and in interest, I thought about come January or February during the Super Bowl. Do you remember how many ads for EV cars uh, and the manufacturers that were, were talking about that? And I, I think that that interest is going to continue to to grow with um, consumers. And we see what you know states are doing with the EV federal money that is coming in uh, for infrastructure. Uh, you see the compacts that Midwest governors are putting together for EV infrastructure in, in partnership here at Dairyland, that that has been one of our consistent programs that we are working with our distribution members um, since 2018, Dairyland, we have supported over 150 EV uh, chargers in rural Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, and Iowa. And in 2022, some exciting partnerships. We had the first fast charger partnership with a member co-op 
uh, at Quick Trip in Holman, Wisconsin, working with Riverland Co-op and also People's Co-op in Minnesota um, for a fast charger at Stewartville with the Quick Trip there. So I think we've got some exciting opportunities. We've got a partnership with a local business here. Quick Trip has a huge footprint and a really has a, a strong affinity with the public and, and trust. And so we're excited about that continued growth and interest with EV infrastructures and how we can promote range um, confidence throughout our service area. Thanks, Jen. I was glad you brought up EVs, Jen, because I that was on my list too. And for the first time, the state has a Wisconsin electrification initi initiative and the PSE has been supporting the DOT. And I know a lot of other stakeholders have been involved in that too. So I'm really excited to see that there's a plan to move all of that forward um, in cooperation with utilities and all the other stakeholders. So I was going to mention that too. And let's not forget the IRA again uh, with the tax credits for used EVs, which could open up a whole new market, you know, um, for people like me who maybe aren't going to shell out for a, a brand new one. That's exciting. Thanks. Full speed ahead. So for, for MG&E, the Stop Sustainable Project, I think that we talked about solar and we've talked about EVs, talked about nuclear. Well, we can talk about wind. Uh, mg &E purchased the Red Barn uh, wind facility uh, in Western Wisconsin. It's the first solar or wind facility in the state in quite a while. So happy to see that move forward. Thank you, Spence. I will start with you, Carrie. What was the top energy idea of the year? have to say the Inflation Reduction Act. <laughs> I mean, how can you not, right? And um, I think it's just, it was pretty incredible that all of those pieces were able to be put together and pass, actually passed by Congress um, on the heels of the infrastructure law. I mean, it's just a significant transformational investment in clean energy and everything you've been working on. Um, it's just really exciting, but to keep bringing it closer to home, I also, um, was excited to see the governor's clean energy plan come out this year. That's been a long time in the making and it provided a roadmap for the first time that stakeholders and agencies had input in to create that framework and um, like I said, a plan and roadmap for supporting clean energy in the state. So I thought that was great. Perfect. Thanks. Jen, what do you think? Well, I've been waiting for this question because my answer could have been at the top of the hour where I talked about uh, the top Wisconsin energy stories of the year, but I wanted to keep it for the uh, top energy idea of the year, which is Dairyland uh, entering into a memorandum of understanding with new scale for small modular reactors. And that's been really exciting. We are exploring that idea and have a, a team here, our uh, CEO uh, is very familiar with uh, with with nuclear and has been a fantastic spokesperson. We've had positive stories written about it. I think there's a lot of curiosity in the next generation of small modular reactors. We are in the preliminary stages of you know kind of following what what New Scale is doing in the lab in Idaho with a project that um, is being built there. Of course, that technology is probably. 10 to 12 years down the road as far as a project here. There's permitting and construction, but I think there's been a lot of positive interest in that. And um, we just had an annual meeting for the Wisconsin Electric Cooperatives and had a fantastic panel discussion on New Scale with an author and a member from New Scale. And Miss Wisconsin, Grace Stanky, a student of nuclear engineering at UW-Madison, 
this is her platform, clean energy and um, demystifying nuclear. And so I think that that conversation is, is fantastic. And uh, we're excited about it here to look at those opportunities, possible partnerships, um, but what that looks like uh, in the future. I think that's been an idea that's been, we've been pleased that it's been well received. And they're really, I, I look at this month's uh, Rural Electric Co-op Magazine and Dairyland and SMRs is the cover story. And so we've got a great story to tell as we look at how we can uh, reduce carbon emissions and look for those other opportunities uh, just to, to lower our, our carbon footprint. I love it. Thank you, Jen. And I'm glad you brought up Grace. I think we need to create another category for like rock star of the year or something because Grace has been awesome in using her platform to talk about clean energy and specifically nuclear. And I know I follow her on LinkedIn. And so I'm seeing Miss Wisconsin updates on LinkedIn and you don't get that every day. So I'm excited for her and we're all cheering for her and appreciate the opportunity to learn um, from what she's been saying as well. Spence, what do you think? What's the top idea for you? We work at a little bit, you know, a smaller scale being uh, Madison Gas and Electric, but we're able to communicate with our, um, our constituents or excuse me, our customers a little bit differently than other uh, utilities, one of which is the city of Madison and the school district. Uh, we've developed a program called the Renewable Energy Rider Program. I think I talked about it last year, but it's finally generating energy. Um, so five megawatts of the solar facility goes to the city, um, or excuse me, to five megawatts goes to the school district and three megawatts goes to um, uh, the city. It's it's important for us as a utility to know what our customers want and stuff like that that allows us to reach our goals uh, in a faster way. So it's it's generation is the number one thing, and then two, it's what's happening at the homes at the businesses, um, and then the third is obviously transportation. Um, which Chris, I forgot to mention this earlier. You'll like this. Uh, we finally got our charging hub operational. So the eight Tesla chargers were good, and now we have the eight. Uh, Leaf chargers for your Leaf, specifically just for Nissan Leafs. Just I'll head kidding. down there. Just right kidding. After this. <laughs> we should have been broadcasting live. Yeah. There. I think I've been talking about that for the last few podcasts. Obviously, COVID and supply chain, but um, we're good. It's it's the first charging hub in the state, and we're very happy. Very, we're very proud of it. So that's really cool. I'm glad to hear it. Thanks, Spence. And Chris, how about you? You know, this is kind of an off the wall, or not off the wall, but but um, maybe a smaller one. But it's interesting. Um, the WET group um, got approval to do some uh, hook up some biogas digesters in northern Wisconsin to their gas distribution network, um, which is kind of a small and wonky thing. But you know, the the, the big new um, sort of outlet for biogas has been as transportation fuel. And the big um, sort of barrier is getting it into an interstate pipeline. They're not everywhere and it's expensive to get it cleaned up and injected. Um, so this is an idea that could could make it easier for more smaller digesters to be putting their, their gas into a distribution network. Not gonna, I mean, it's clearly not gonna replace natural gas as heating fuel, but it's a, it's a could be a big boost for the for the dairy producers. I agree. I think it's it's a really fascinating technology, and um, 
WPUI had um, someone from the UW come in talking about biogas recently. And I mean, we talked through the idea of having that gas fire like a combined cycle facility in the future, you know, and that's a possibility. So I think that's a good answer and very exciting development as well. On to the shock of the year. Jen, what shocked you this year? Mine was a comfortable one. I will say the November elections uh, that I think there was a lot of hype that it was going to be a big red wave. And, um, you know, earlier in the in the summer with some Supreme Court rulings, maybe there was a bump to what, you know, to the Democratic Party. Uh, then you just saw things maybe with the economy uh, kind of worsen and pocketbook issues became a concern. And so people, you know, had hyped it, there was going to be a big red wave and it really, it, it wasn't. And um, I think, you know, after millions and millions of dollars spent here in, in Wisconsin, it's kind of the status quo. And it demonstrates that we really are a very purple state. Uh, there'll be some new faces in leadership uh, on the in the Senate side, on the Senate Democratic side. Um, there'll be a, a relatively new team of on the Assembly Democratic side, some familiar faces with the Republican um, caucus there. Uh, we'll see if this can be a kinder, gentler legislature with relationships with the governor or not. We're dealing with a $6 billion surplus and how uh, you know the parties want to um, talk about that and budget that in the future and just how they want to come together and govern. So for me, the shock really was that the election was not the big game changer that people thought it was with really big gains in, in one party and especially out in, in, in Congress, very, really slim majorities now in both the, the House and in the Senate. That's so true. And that's a really good answer. And it, it doesn't change the tra trajectory, but I mean, it has huge implications for public service commission appointments and policies set by the administration. So yes, I think that's a very meaningful development this year. Spence? What what shocked you this year? I have to piggyback on that. It's pretty much what I, my exact same thing. It's I think everyone has suspected that the Michael Zevers uh, race was going to be very tight, but I don't think anyone expected the Ron Johnson Mandela Barnes for Senate to be as tight as it was. Um, that was that was the shocker for me on election night, and then to kind of everything else like with with Governor Evers winning again, like. And Ron Johnson, when again, you're right, nothing, nothing changed in the state. I mean, we lost a, the Dems lost a congressional seat out west, but I mean, that could not, that might not have happened if a few chips would have fell the other way. You know, I'm looking forward to 2023 uh, because that was a very long and brutal election to watch, like a train trying to stop. I'm glad it's over too, but now we're. We're on to 2024. We've already got announced candidates for president. So got that to look forward to. I wonder if anyone here is going to get a Trump NFT card for the Christmas. Hmm. New gift uh, for podcast episode guests. Uh, essentially. <laughs> We're I do like to say that we can be sure of three things, death, taxes, and there's always another election. Very true. All right, Chris, what shocked you this year? Maybe a little bit wonky, but uh, I was a little surprised to see Americans for Prosperity come out and kill the 
right of first refusal uh, transmission competition bill. Um, just a, a bit of a realignment of some uh, maybe traditional political allegiances. Um, and again, that that whole debate was really in the weeds, uh, but uh, was uh, very interesting from an insider perspective. Um, and I don't, from what I can tell, it's not over. Uh, we'll be we'll be doing that again in 2023, probably. Something else to look forward to. <laughs> Yay. I, sus I suspect you're probably right, Chris. Carrie. Um, well, you know, Chris and the elections and everything, people always say the more things change, the more they stay the same. And that's definitely true this year. Hopefully it won't feel like Groundhog's Day next year. We'll see some progress. Um, but for the shock of the year for me, I have to stick with the nuclear fusion breakthrough. I just was so surprised that that happened. And um, it's just really exciting and has significant potential to be transformational. So really excited to see where that goes in the new year. Thanks, Carrie. Okay, so for my shock of the year, I was trying to think back at what are some of the things that people have been talking about the most. And to me, it was the high price of natural gas. So natural gas has doubled um, what it was in 2021 um, in many months of the year. You know, you look back a year and see what it was. So the price of natural gas has caused there to be two legislative informational hearings this year. So the first one was in February and we actually covered it on the podcast. And the second one was in November and that one was on Wisconsin Eye. That one was in the Senate. The first one was in the assembly. And basically the costs have skyrocketed so much. And this is a global issue caused by several different factors, but one of them being the war in Ukraine. The costs have skyrocketed so much that it's causing these massive bill increases for home heating. And then also the utilities use natural gas for energy generation. So costs are going up there as well. Um, and I I don't think any of us who, and maybe I'm wrong because maybe some insiders know this better than I do and they could see it coming, but that was something I really didn't see coming is that real spike in gas prices that causes so many ripple effects across the industry. And Kristen, I think that touches on something that um, folks are grappling with and we're seeing the effects of it at the commission too. We have many more interveners and cases too, looking at affordability um, in the rate cases themselves or in the performance-based regulation workshop. Um, rates are increasing, the cost of the new infrastructure being put in the ground um, while we still have the assets to be retired are still on the books. It's creating a lot of tension and we really need to work together to figure out how to keep rates affordable. Um, for everyone in the state. So I can see that continuing to be a struggle. But the like you said, the increase in gas only exacerbated those issues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we got used to like for 10 years or more, 12 years of just abundant natural gas. We just sort of got, took it for granted that it would be cheap. And I don't think maybe to the, the export sort of um, market has sort of snuck up on us, I think, where we sort of got lulled into uh, complacency and thinking it would forever be two bucks. Yep. Let's move on to my favorite question, 
which is, did you have a favorite episode of the Electric Wire podcast this year? And Spence, I'm going to start out with you for this one. I have a couple, but I'm going to start with one. Um, if no one else has another one, then I, I'll, I'll ask to come back to that one too. Uh, but you did uh, CFC, the Electric Wire did a series on energy providers in the state and I'm Jeannie's CEO, Jeff Keebler did one. I feel like these um, are good educational tools for people to actually understand like where do you, where are you where are you living and who is giving you your energy? Like where are you buying your energy from? And for for us, um, I thought that I thought that Jeff did a really good job of describing MGE, its relationship with its customers, and how you know it exactly works in Madison and the Madison area. I will say that episode is the second most listened to podcast over the actual podcast channels this year, which is pretty cool. I was happy to see that. And it was a lovely conversation with Jeff for me. So thank you guys for lending him to the electric wire. Chris, how about you? Um, yeah, I agree with Matt that um, that one and and you also did the one on on um, cooperatives. But I, you know, I, I just think you cannot underestimate the average person's understanding of how utilities work. Um, I just think there's so much value in explaining, you know, like like Matt was saying, people just assume that MG&E is jacking up the price of natural gas and charge because that's how everything else works in our society, right? We pay for goods and supply and demand. And, and I think that it is a lot of value in just trying to, to explain the, the regulated utility model. Um, I know that I've been trying to, to write up a, a little brief for, for someone who might do my job in the future. And the brief has turned into like 10 pages of like, um, these are some of the just basics you ought to know. It's crazy. Good for you for doing that. You could probably publish that and charge money for it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Feel free to include links to Electric Wire podcast episodes in your briefing documents as well. Yes. <laughs> I love it because, and I, and we do hear that too, that people who are looking to just get the basics. Um, I love that you can go back and listen to episodes far, you know, years beforehand, if it was on a particular issue that's still relevant. And I, I do think some of those energy provider episodes will do just that. Carrie, did you have a favorite episode this year? I did. I really enjoyed the episode you and Carrie Ann did with Rebecca Ryan and Lauren Azar. I thought that was really great. It was a really different type of episode. And I really, I always love hearing Rebecca talk and speak. And she, um, it just was a really interesting view on how the industry is changing and how she advises people to think about that and working with utilities. And I just really enjoyed um, her fresh perspective on all of those issues. So I think that was my favorite. Oh, thanks. That was a super fun one to record as well. All right. What do you think, Jen? Well, I always enjoy any of these podcasts that you put out, Kristen. You do a fantastic job of finding really interesting topics, uh, fresh fresh faces, uh, dynamic speakers really throughout Wisconsin and the region and nationally on some of these topics. Um, so I always enjoy listening to my fellow um, Dairylanders, as you have been very generous with um, with them as guests. Brent Ridge, who uh, is fantastic on small small modular reactors and our new scale 
exploration has been a guest. John Carr sp uh, speaking about reliability after the Texas incident. Uh, most recently, the co-ops, highlighting the co-ops. Many of our, our, our members and our managers served as guests. So I enjoyed that. But I also enjoyed the new energy for an old coal plant, the Beloit College powerhouse story. And I just thought that was, I loved it when you went on the road, you were at a new location. There was a fantastic tour. I'm familiar with the uh, the guests that you had on. They have won some architectural awards and energy awards about really building a really smart building and repurposing that powerhouse for Beloit College. So that was one of my favorites. Carrie, I have to agree with you that Futurists podcast with Rebecca Ryan and Lauren um, just made me think about the industry in a very different way to open me up to the potential and opportunities and just the rapid change that is on the horizon. So I thought that was interesting. I know which one you're going to say, Kristen, so I'm going to hold off on that one because when that one happened, I immediately texted you and said that was fantastic and interesting. Um, and then finally, I will that getting to know the Wisconsin cooperatives just to see some of our, our, our folks talk about the unique model. It's not always as familiar as the investor owned or the municipal owned. Um, so I thank you for giving time and space for uh, the co-ops to talk about our unique uh, business model and our connection to our, our members and our communities. Thanks, Jen. Spence, were you going to say something to respond to Jen? No, I just, I was going to ask her if there's anyone that was, is the list shorter of the ones you don't like? Is there any you don't like? Because like, you, <laughs> did that come from? You're right. I know you're out right. of 12, I had like five were my favorites. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Which isn't yes. a bad thing. I mean, Jen, I'm glad you mentioned the Beloit College one. I really liked that one too. I thought that was great. Um, and like, it was a very different topic um, and different way to look at it. So I really enjoyed that one too. Yeah. I also enjoyed that episode and it was fun to go to Beloit and be able to sort of like record something on site, just like I want to do with the EV charging hub sometime in 2023. Now that might have to happen. Quick note that that one was from 2021, like October of 2021, um, but who's counting? So I love it. And that was really fun. And I'm sure uh, the Shoofs will love to hear that. I am interested to hear, I think, did I tell you what my favorite one was going to be, Jen, or you just know? Oh, okay. I just know. Oh, okay. And if you don't mention it, you're going to come back to me because it was one of my favorites. That was my favorite too. <laughs> it's well, my favorite for you because of you. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, we all know. Thank you. We all listen to it. And I can probably say that I, I'm assuming Jen's the same way. I listened to it more than once. Three times. Yeah, I wasn't doing oh. much. I love it. You guys are like driving up our numbers single-handedly. <laughs> so the my favorite episode of the year also happens to be our highest played episode of the year. And that was from September of this year, The Reality of Retail Choice with Laurel Peltier from the Maryland Energy Supplier Reform Coalition. Um, Maryland has been a deregulated state for many years. And Laurel works on behalf of low-income customers. She volunteers her time and helps people understand their energy bills. And in the process of doing this, she found overpayments that customers who had gone with the sort of choice providers uh, were making, in many cases, hundreds of dollars a year. Um, that people are overpaying for energy when they um, choose an alternate supplier. So 
Laurel has done a lot of work trying to shine light on these issues, and it was truly a joy to speak with her and have her on the podcast. I'm sure you could probably just like hear hear the glee in my voice when I was talking to her because it was really fun to find another, you know, total energy nerd and uh, who just, you know, happens to live a few states away. So that was really fun for me, and I thought it also sort of brought home why CFC was founded uh, when Wisconsin was considering like wholesale deregulation in the late 1990s. So CFC was founded um, to help protect customers um, as a restructuring debate was occurring. So that's why we're here and it's it's why we're still here. And so it it was a perfect episode for us. Well, let me just say, um, I love the fact that that customer emphasis uh, is your favorite. If we were playing the newlywed game, we would not have been a match because I thought you were going to say a second wind turbine. Oh my gosh. Did you really? Yes. I, I did love that episode too. And tr- okay. You know what? <laughs> I made a note to myself that our reality of retail choice episode was the highest played episode over the podcast channels. The second wind episode was the highest played episode if you include YouTube listens, because I think it got sent around with the YouTube link a lot, and it was by far the highest um, that way. And yes, if you will, um, we'll go back to that episode as well, because that was outstanding. Um, I was hoping at this time last year that I could find someone to come on and talk about wind turbine blade recycling and uh, Nicholas Killen of uh, Vestas was generous with his time and shared so much with us. And it was an honor to have Commissioner Hebner on as a co-host. He had so many good, insightful questions um, to sort of help elevate that discussion as well. So I loved that episode as well. And thank you for thank you for bringing that up too. That's the one I watched three times. I didn't want to step on your toes. I knew that that was a goal of yours that like last year you wanted to find a a podcast uh, speaker. So yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah. I think I honestly just didn't look far enough back in the list because I'm like, oh my gosh, I kind of forgot about that one. Did everybody else think she was going to say the wind turbine recycling? I think I've told her a couple of times, I told Kristen a couple of times that, uh, that retail choice one is my favorite. I, oh. I walk my dog and listen to it. So I'm going to now tell you what the 2022 predictions we made a year ago were. And then I want to get your reaction to that as well as tell me what your predictions for 2023 are. So back in 2022, Heather predicted that 2022 would be the year for EV infrastructure in Wisconsin. I predicted that somewhere in between Madison and Wisconsin Rapids, there would be an EV charging station. Uh, Spence predicted that the charging hub that MG&E is offering on East Washington Avenue would be full-time operational in 
2022. There's also other stuff you brought up, but I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Carrie predicted it would be a record-breaking year for dockets at the commission, including um, investigative dockets, discussion of the energy burden, SEA, quad planning, and progress on broadband deployment. Chris predicted that we were going to be talking about heat pumps next year. We piled on and said we were all going to try try to make that your story on heat pumps go viral and create an echo chamber and have a podcast episode on it. And I don't think any of those things actually happened, unfortunately. So Chris, do you want to look back at 2022 and then tell us what you think for next year? Are you willing to yeah, go out on a sure. limb again? Yeah, um, I will say that I don't. I wasn't wrong about heat pumps. I was wrong about my story about heat pumps that I just never got it done. And then Congress up and passed the Inflation Reduction Act with a boatload of money for heat pumps. And so sort of forced my hand to, to write about that. And so, I, so I ended up using all the stuff that I had gathered on heat pumps and dumped it into that story. Um, so nice. I was good at predicting externalities, bad at predicting internalities. Um, for 2023, um, I think I could safely uh, predict that there will be more unanimous votes from the commission um, and maybe a little bit less um, uh, rigorous, I don't know if the word debate is right, but uh, it will make covering, covering the commission maybe a little bit less spicy. And I'm referring to there's going to be a new commissioner. We will have three, three Evers appointees. And you get to watch it online on YouTube. Yeah. Thanks. Yes, that was uh, Chris's All the Power last year, I have to say, yes. and we made it happen this year. That's so right. For, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's so helpful to be able to go back and watch it. And I've gotten emails from real people, not like us on the podcast, but thanking us for um, doing it so that when they get home from work, if there was an issue that they were really interested in, they can go back and watch. So thanks for mentioning that, Spence. The quality is really good. I'm, I'm, super impressed you guys have done a really good job and it is cool I mean it was crazy to listen to that and think oh my gosh you're right like a year ago it the YouTube channel didn't even exist so it's we've you've come a long way in a year love it kudos to our IT staff obviously they're the ones to make it happen and some of you know Mon he is the wizard of all of it he's at every meeting running the show so um can't say enough about our staff and wanting to make it happen too love it you. Spence or Carrie? Um, I predicted a record-breaking year for docket work, and um, it was fairly true. We were very busy uh, all year. We I already talked about the solar numbers, but there were um, the parallel generation dockets with net metering and buyback rates that were done. We had a number of workshops on performance-based regulation as part of the Roadmap to Zero Carbon. The SEA came out with even more robust planning than has been in in the past, quad planning for focus, and then broadband, which will be another huge focus for next year. Um, since 2019, the PSE has awarded over $380 million in grants and um, located over 380,000 locations. And um, it was just announced in the last couple of weeks that the state's plan has been approved to start planning for the, the bead funds that are coming through infrastructure where Wisconsin's poised to receive up to a billion dollars in broadband funds. I mean, with a B. So it's significant amount of planning, work going involved, and um, talk about also being a game changer and transformational for folks 
throughout the state who have struggled with really low quality broadband or none at all. So um, I know everyone's really excited at the PSC about that for 2023. Um, the other thing I would say for 2023 is um, I think we'll see even more participation from community-based groups in PSC dockets. There's more tools to be involved like YouTube and um, just even more awareness and the education you're doing and other everyone's doing and Chris's great reporting makes it so much more accessible to people. So we're excited to see more folks involved in dockets in the coming year. That's great. Very exciting. Thank you, Spence. So I think last year I talked about electr electrification, uh, one of which was the hard charging hub, which is online. Um, I think I said something about the VW settlement funds, which still no, but maybe next year. That can be one of my predictions for 2023, hopefully. Budget, let's go. Um, and then, you know, on electrification, um, we're working with the city on um, electrifying their transportation fleet. That's obviously important for uh, a cleaner, a cleaner city, a cleaner grid. I think in 2023, with the with the 78 million dollars coming to the state for the corridors, and that finally starting to get deployed over the next few years, the infrastructure is going to be there. Uh, I would hope that EV prices start to stabilize a little bit more with supply chains coming back online, more EVs being constructed and sold to consumers at a reliable price. So that's my predictions. Uh, I would say, I mean, not just next year, but it, I think it's going to jump up pretty quickly on the number of EVs in the road throughout the state. That's cool. That's exciting. Thanks, Spence. Jen, do you have a prediction for 2023 you want to share? Well, I'll I'll start out with, I think that uh, Miss Wisconsin Grace Danke will become Miss America and have an even broader um, platform to talk about clean energy and the transition uh, to uh, more inclusion of nuclear. She won the talent program as an excellent uh, violinist. And so that is exciting. Um, I think that there will be increased realization that wind and solar alone cannot get us to where we need to be for uh, you know 100% uh, to that low carbon energy future. So I think there's certainly going to be that increased public interest in that last 20%, again, continuing to explore uh, you know all options on the table. Um, I think that that is going to be something. But I also think internally, I've been learning about kind of that internet of things. And I think technology and how our devices are talking to each other within our homes and our utilities will continue to grow, like with load management, you know, switches and things like that and uh, load control. So I think just increased use and development of technology uh, to use, you know, that beneficial electrification with our homes and businesses in a, in a smarter way. Thank you, Jen. Um, and along those lines, I had two predictions, one of which would is that there will be continued focus on the discussion of nuclear power and its role in our generation mix moving forward. Um, Customers First is actually planning on hosting a power breakfast in the spring of 2023 to facilitate a broader discussion on nuclear energy. So We'll be sending out a save the date for that in January. So check your email there. But along with that discussion, I think there will be a continued discussion about affordability. As much as we want to keep talking about the potential for increasing nuclear's role in our portfolio, cost needs to be part of the discussion about nuclear. 
And so I look forward to facilitating a discussion about nuclear um, here at Customers First, but also including affordability as a part of that discussion. And I also look forward to hosting consumer advocates and low-income advocates on the electric wire next year um, so we can keep hearing from them and keep the focus on keeping customer bills affordable. That matches, I think, quite well with what my prediction was, too. I talked about increased accessibility and more community-based groups being involved, and it's really folks, um, low-income customers who have a high energy burden, they're paying a lot more of their income towards their energy bills, and they're finding their voice and um, participating even more. So I think that's really exciting to hear Customers First is going to give a stage to those voices too to hear more about it. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you for that, Carrie, and thank you for the work you've done to include those voices at um, in PSC proceedings as well. Okay, so now on to... Our final question for all of our podcast guests, if you had all the power in the industry in 2023, what would you do with it? And Chris, we'll start off with you. I would, uh, well, if, oh, if I had power over the industry, I don't think you want to hand me that sort of power. Um, <laughs> if I had all the, if I had all the power in my own industry, I would make sure that every media outlet in Wisconsin had somebody dedicated to covering energy and utility issues. Um, because it's frankly just not not well enough covered. And I'm not going to be doing my part starting next year because uh, I'm moving on after almost two decades in this industry and going to be doing work in uh, other energy-related communications work, uh, but not in, the, not in the journalism. Well, we'll sure miss you and reading what you've put out there for the State Journal, Chris. Thank you for the work you've done helping shine a light on energy issues. All right, Carrie, do you want to go next? Sure. Thanks, Kristen. Um, if I had all the power, I'd clone Chris Hubbock so we could keep him in the media world, writing great, uh, well-informed uh, energy stories, and then he can go off and pursue other things as well, but um, that won't happen. So best of luck, Chris, um, and we'll miss reading your articles. Um, about energy um, news. For me, I'm really excited about the Inflation Reduction Act funding, and I hope Wisconsin um, really takes advantage of the funds that are available and directs them to the right places. And I have a lot of confidence that it will happen um, and see a lot of stakeholder engagement and utilities and environmental groups and community groups and customer advocates all work together to try to bring as much of that funding to the state as possible. And one area that I would love to see focused on is related to these whole home um, efficiency projects where there's a lot of folks in low income areas that their housing is just so poor um, that it's just incredibly inefficient um, and they can't, you know, do any weatherization even or efficiency projects because there's a hole in the roof or they've got plastic over the windows or all of these other pieces. So there are a lot of um, avenues within in the infrastructure bill and inflation reduction act where we can all work together to solve that problem to help and that would really deal i think too with the affordability issue for some customers to have them have a more efficient home so if i had all the power i would love to see wisconsin maximize efforts in that area i guess i'll go um if i had all the power this is like i think i've done this a couple times now but it piggybacks off of what Gary Templeton just said and Jen just said, with all the dollars coming in from the bipartisan infrastructure bill, the IRA, 
us moving towards uh, a 20, you know, 20, 30, 80% goal, then 2050, the R&D that's in these, these bills, that's where we're going to find out what that last 20% is mm -hmm. and how attainable it's going to be. I I'm just like, we know what it could look like, but we don't know how it's going to, like how to deploy it. As a company, what is it actually going to do for our customers? So I think for 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 me and for us, it's, it's what is that 20% and how do we get there? And what do we need to get there? The federal government's been very helpful recently. And I just hope that, you know, the state is willing to work to get these dollars allocated um, and used properly in the next I don't know, decade. I think for myself, if I had all the power and now being in this industry for the last uh, two and a half years after moving from the legislature, which by the way, Chris, congratulations on on, on moving on. I've known you in another role at the La Crosse Tribune and you bird dogged me at meetings when I was in the legislature uh, for 20 years. So um, congratulations and, and good luck to you in your next role. Um, but I would I would say permitting reform, uh, and we've uh, you know had some fits and starts within Congress and Joe Manchin tackling permitting for reform, um, seeing projects that we have right now with transmission and energy infrastructure construction projects that have been delayed uh, due to permitting form and what we can do for some timelines and just some efficiencies. Um, so I, I th certainly think you know I, I hope that 2023 will include permitting reform that will really help our industry because right now it's years and years and years uh, that are uh, and litigation uh, that is um, delaying these projects. And if we want to increase the use of renewables, we need to be able to move them to where they need to be through uh, through uh, transmission siting. So that would be that would be my all in the power would be uh, some significant transmission or significant permitting reform through the like NEPA process and other things within Congress. Nice, Jen. That's a way more technical answer than I'm about to give. <laughs> what I want to do with all the power in 2023, if I had it, would be to celebrate the positive successes in our industry and continue to work together in a transparent way that includes a a broad range of stakeholders to sort of tackle the issues in front of us. Affordability, reliability, sustainability. Um, these are all challenges that we're facing and we can continue to talk about together. So we have a lot of great stuff going on um, as we talked about here. And I'm just excited to talk about more of those stories in the future. And I think this is a time of great change in this industry. I mean, in the past, people have said that utilities is like a steamboat. It moves very, it sh shifts very slowly. It changes direction very slowly. I feel like I've been in a motorboat. Everything is happening very fast and we're new directions and just standing in front of a a uh, fire hydrant uh, that's, you know, pouring out water. And I'm just trying to get a, a glass of water to understand, you know, all the funding opportunities that are coming for transition to the future. So it's really a, a time of significant change in this industry, probably more so than in any other decade that we've seen in just federal investment with with dollars to 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 for the transition, energy transition. It is a very exciting time. And 2023 will be a very exciting year. Thank you to each of you for joining today. And I want to, before we sign off, um, have an opportunity for you to preview upcoming events, talk about how to how we can follow you on 
social media, et cetera. Anybody have anything you want to chime in with? Well, I continue to encourage everyone to subscribe to the PSC's YouTube channel. <laughs> like and subscribe. And I'm also excited for the new year. I'm going to be leaving the Public Service Commission. January 3rd is my last day. And I've worked here for 12 years and in state government for 25 years. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what the new year brings and um, still working with all of you, I hope, in a different way. Carrie, congratulations. And we will miss you so much, but very excited for what the future holds for you as well. Thanks, Christine. Thank you, yeah, both you guys. Thanks. Yeah, Chris and Carrie, we hope to see you back here next year, maybe just in slightly different roles. Yeah, I can come back and talk about all the great research happening at the Wisconsin Energy Institute. I love it. That would be awesome. In our roundup, um, I wanted to put a plug in for people to submit feedback on the electric wire. Every email we send out has a little feedback link. And there's been one person to fill out the feedback form this year. It was Mark Leiden from Madison Gas and Electric. Mark is a commercial account representative at MG&E. And I wanted to give Mark a special shout out because I know he is a regular listener and I love getting feedback. So thank you, Mark, for leading the way. And I hope other listeners will submit feedback and ideas as well. So I will put a link to that feedback form in the show notes. It's been exciting to see how this program has grown over the last couple of years. So kudos to you, Kristen, uh, for your good work and all of us that continue to promote it. And it really is becoming a, a go-to tool for people in the industry uh, and in the Capitol, staff and others to, to learn about it. So uh, on behalf of uh, everyone at, at Customers First, like thank you really for your leadership and uh, the continual growth with the podcast and other programming. Thank you, Jen. That's so nice. It makes my day. Thank you all again so much for joining. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Please support our work. You can subscribe to the Electric Wire podcast if you haven't already. And you can follow us on Twitter at The Electric Wire. Thanks also to the members of the Customers First Coalition for supporting this podcast. Our members are Dairyland Power Cooperative, Madison Gas and Electric, the Municipal Electric Utilities of Wisconsin, WPPI Energy, the Citizens Utility Board, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 2150, and the Wisconsin Electric Cooperatives Association. Thanks again for listening. We'll have a new episode next month.